today. And I wanted to bring the Word of God to you today. And so I'm so glad uh, that you are here. We're in a series, as you know, called Summer Hacks. Summer Hacks has been a lot of fun, right? It's a series through the wisdom of the Bible talking about how to avoid the detours, the distractions, and the destructions that we often create in our lives. All that said, we've been starting our <clears throat> excuse me, our messages with a lot of fun and talking about some uh, practical summer hacks for this summer. I have two of them for you today. Of course, we've been having a lot of fun with pool noodles, and so I have my friends, the pool noodles, back today, and here's the hack for you with these pool noodles. In fact, these are just about the right size. They also happen to be uh, the ones, if you were at Worship in the Park, that I had on the ends of uh, the bin to make the cooler float. But um, they're about this long, and I don't have any of these here, but I want you to picture that there were some boots right here, cowboys boots, cowboy boots, or, or women's clothing boots, winter boots, something like that. And you know what happens when the boots sit in the back of your closet? And when, they, when they're well-used boots, they play this game, right? Remember a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we talked about the crease in the pants. And the boots end up with the same crease when they play this game. And so guess what these will do? Just put these in your boots, and they won't tip over, and they won't get that crease. So summer hack for you. Uh, something else you can do with a pool noodle. We'll have more of those in the weeks ahead. I have one other summer hack for us today. We've been talking about back-to-school season. You've probably already heard today about the chance to continue to gather school supplies. It's so important we do that for our partners at Monroe Middle School. It's great to come alongside of them. If there are any kids here today, or for that matter, any uh, adults that like to act like kids, I have a, a summer hack for you that is a back-to-school hack. I wish somebody taught me this in first grade or second grade. It's the nines multiplication trick that you do with your fingers. Maybe you've seen this before, and maybe you haven't, but it's the nines, how to memorize your nines in multiplication tables. And so I want you to see how this works. Everybody put your hands up right now, all right? Like this, right? Put your fingers up. I know, I know, some of you are not doing it. I want everybody to play along. Everybody put your fingers up right now, especially back there in the back. All right, so here's what I want you to do. How do you memorize your nines in multiplication? All right, nine times one. We're going to start with this finger over here. I can't put that down very easily, but nine times one is nine. Look how many fingers I have left up. 9 times 2 is 18. Now let's count them out. Here's a 1, and here's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 9 times 2 is 18. 9 times 3 is 27. 1, 2, and 7 left. 9 times 4 is 36. 9 times 5 is 45. 9 times 6 is 54. 9 times 7 is... What do I got there? 72. No, that's 9 times 8. Uh, 9 times 7 is what it is, 63. 9 times 8 is 72. 9 times 9 is 81. And 9 times 10 is 90. So I know I messed that up in the middle there a little bit, but that's your, that's your hack. If you're having trouble memorizing your nines, you just 
need ten fingers. So here's the thing today. Today, I want to talk about God's wisdom, and we're going to dig into the Bible. We're going to be in the book of James. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs. I want to talk about God's wisdom today for our words, for our words, because there is so much that God's word has to say about how our words get used for evil and how our words get used for good. There's so much the Bible has to say about how easily it is for something to come out of our mouths that, that we didn't even think about. We didn't even intend. And a lot of times what comes out unintentionally is hurtful. Of course, words matter because communication matters. Rick Warren once said probably 75% of the problems we face at home, at work, at church are related to poor communication. The reality is miscommunication happens all of the time. For one... Half the time, somebody's not listening. And even when somebody is listening, it's easy for miscommunication to take place. You've probably heard of Murphy's Law. You know, if anything can go wrong, it will. There's a law called Brinkley's Law in communication. If, if there's any way something can be misunderstood by someone, somewhere, sometime, it will be misunderstood. And yet, here's what the Bible says. In fact, I did this the other day. I love to take verses of our Bibles that are over here somewhere and say, what does that mean? And then we look at the rest of the Bible and it begins to fill in what that means. So I want you to look at with me today, Psalm 19, verse 14. It's a prayer we sometimes pray about our words. Psalm 19, verse 14 says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart Be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth, may the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What exactly is that getting at? And what exactly is that saying? It's telling us directly that there's a link between a heart in our mouth, and that we have to learn to let the Spirit of God engage between the heart and the mouth. You might remember we've been all summer in James chapter 3. James 3, 17 and 18 says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I want you to think about how much of that wisdom of God is about our words. Now, it doesn't take long to realize how much of this is about our words because in context, this passage about wisdom follows a passage in James 3, at the beginning of James 3, that is entirely about our tongues and how it can get us into trouble, how it often gets used for evil, not good. Let me read it to you, James chapter 3. I'm going to back up all the way to verse 1. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. It's a good reminder for people like me that we too are accountable. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. 
Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. You don't have to tell us anything about that. We know. Verse 6, James 3, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, in the same breath, I'm adding that with the same breath, but it's implied here. With it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, my sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Of course not. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Of of course not. Neither can salt water produce fresh water. He's talking about our tongues. He's very much pointing out instinctively. The verse that follows this is that the wisdom that comes from heaven is God's wisdom. What we need to tame the tongue is God's wisdom. He is telling us that our tongues are easily influenced by the demonic, by the sinful, and frankly, by hell. In fact, you could say about this verse, as someone else has, that Christ died not only to get me out of hell, but to get hell out of me. And so here's the thing I want you to pay note of today and the thing I want you to catch. In fact, this is the one thing uh, that this message is about. And if you're taking notes today, this is our first set of blanks. I hope you will write it down. I need God, period. So here's the one thing. Ask Jesus to guide my heart, to guard my mouth, And multiply grace in my words. I need God. It's the bottom line. Ask Jesus to guide my heart, to guard my mouth, and multiply grace in my words. I can't do this without God. That's what James chapter 3 said. Now there's a lot of verses to this, but I want you to just follow along with me. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. This one, I think, is not in your notes, but maybe is. Proverbs 16, 23. This is from the old NIV before they did the update. It says, a wise wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instruction. Jesus taught us this. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So I really want you to think today about what comes out of your mouth. Proverbs 13.3, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 21.23, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. 
Proverbs 22.11, one who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. In fact, there are a lot of verses here in Proverbs that remind us of the value of gracious words. Proverbs 16.21, the wise in heart are called discerning and gracious words promote instruction. Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I need to ask Jesus to guide my heart, to guard my mouth, and to multiply grace in my words. Somewhere between what goes on in my heart and what comes out of my mouth, I need Jesus to work in all of that, in this this 12 inches. I need Jesus. You want to include the brain, you can do that, maybe 12, 18 inches. I need Jesus, bottom line. Because really the bottom line is that my words are full of good or full of evil. There's really not neutral here. They're either going to build up or they're going to tear down. My words will either encourage or destroy In fact, you might write this in your notes, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. This is telling me that my tongue can do great things. In fact, will do great things. My tongue will determine the direction of my life, even the destination of my life, will be used for good and evil, and will have an eternal impact. And I need Jesus to tame my tongue, because only grace can tame my tongue. So before we get into sort of the the outline here, I want to just point out a couple of things. People say to me sometimes, okay, Brian, is this about cussing? Because you don't understand, like at work, my environment. I mean, come on, Brian. Have you, are you saying that a, a, a cuss words never come out of your mouth? Okay, so two things. One, I can't say that. And I'm guessing you can't say that either. Because I bring evil out of my heart all the time. And two, we are greatly influenced by who we're around. Proverbs has told us that over and over and over that that he who walks with the wise grows wise and a companion of fools suffers harm and so i am as a believer in jesus to use my mouth in those contexts for wisdom not foolishness this is a little tough because sometimes guys particularly will say to me you know what i just don't want to come across like a like a wimp, you know, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to talk the talk, if you will. It's not a matter of being a wimp. It's a matter of being like Jesus. And frankly, without him, I'm toast when it comes to my tongue. And so I want to talk for a few minutes in the time that we have left about what a grace-filled tongue avoids, and then I want to talk about some filters that help our tongues, if you will, 
that I've given to us actually before. And then I want to talk to you about what a grace-filled tongue embraces to make a difference. Because at the end of the day, you and I need a Jesus-filled tongue. We need a grace-filled, grace-influenced tongue. This makes sense, doesn't it? So what is it that a grace-filled tongue avoids according to the Scripture? Most of these are Proverbs, so I'm just going to run through it really quickly. Number one, perverse words. Not just the perversity of, of bad language, but the perversity of, of heart, mind, and soul that looks to do things that are ungodly. Proverbs 4.24, keep your mouth free of perversity, keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Proverbs 16.28, a perverse person stirs up conflict, enjoys creating drama, and a gossip separates close friends. In saying that, he's tying perverse words to gossipy words. It's so easy for one to turn into the other. In fact, the Bible warns us greatly in Proverbs about how, how gossipy words taste good. But in the end, they make us untrustworthy. I mean, think about that, because character really matters. My tongue, when it's grace-filled, needs to avoid perverse words. Number two, destructive words. Proverbs eleven nine: with their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. Destroy their neighbors. How easy it is to destroy with our words, not just our neighbors, but those even closer to us and our families. Number three, reckless words or careless words. Proverbs twelve eighteen: the words of the reckless pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Matthew 12, 36, Jesus said, this is the old NIV again, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Proverbs, no, we'll, we'll hold that one. Again, I think, I think the idea here, careless words, reckless words, is that so often we're not guarding our mouths and we're not guarding our hearts. And so we just say things that just bubble up and come out without concern for their impact. And sometimes it happens carelessly. Sometimes it happens recklessly. How often are our reckless words and our careless words destructive words? I can tell you this much about myself. When I just fly off the handle, hardly ever does something super grace-filled just sort of spill out of me on accident. Is that the way it works with you? I, I doubt it. Perverse words, we avoid those. Destructive words, grace-filled heart avoids those. Reckless words, a grace-filled tongue avoids those. Number four, angry words. I'm not saying we should never get angry. I'll read you a verse or two in a second. Jesus was angry. Anger is an appropriate emotion. God gets angry. But Jesus and God aren't angry all the time. They don't stay angry. I want you to just think through how easy it is when you're feeling some anger to just, just blow all that steam right out through your mouth. It just begins to build up and poof. This is what Proverbs says. 
Proverbs 29, 11, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Proverbs 29, 11, old NIV, same verse, said slightly different. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. How easy it is to just let words escape that we can't put back. I think I said a few weeks ago, you know, you can, you can squish the toothpaste out of the tube, but once it's out, you can't put it back in. When life squeezes us and our hearts and our souls and anger begins to build up, we've got to learn to process that in healthy ways because otherwise the squeeze of life will just vent that anger so, so easily. And again, that can become destructive. So that's, that's what a grace-filled tongue avoids. And I don't have time really to get into it, but we could add a bonus one of a lying tongue, right? That from start to finish, Scripture is clear that there were to be truth-tellers, not lie-tellers. And we'll get around to truth-telling in just a second. But let's make sure we really think that, that, that this is an exhaustive list. It's not. That lying is not good. And there, there are a host of other things that can come from our mouths that are destructive as well. So what is it I need when something's bubbling up inside of me and it's about to come out and I'm asking Jesus to guide my heart and guard my mouth? What I need is a filter and I need Jesus to be that filter. I need his spirit to be that filter in my life. Proverbs, you might write these in. I don't believe I have them in your notes. Proverbs 10, 19 Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent or the wise hold their tongues. Proverbs eleven twelve: whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. I don't think he means it literally, right? Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. And the one thing that stands between me and a whole lot of dumb stuff that comes out of my mouth is Jesus in my spirit, working to engage my soul, my heart, my brain, and my body. And I need Jesus to help me think like him and react like him and respond like him. And so I've got some filters that I've given you before, but I think these are good enough. I want to make sure we have them again. Now, before we cover them, I want to give you a few other situations. Again, you can just jot these in your notes. They're not blanks. But I need to filter when I don't know the whole story. Someone comes to you with some gossip. You don't know the whole story. You need to refrain. I don't know the whole story. It's okay to say that, but it's not okay to start spreading all of that. I don't know the whole story. It's not my business. Which is number two. I need to filter when it's none of my business. 
right? If it's not my circus and not my monkeys, then, then I should stay out of it. When I don't know the whole story, when it's none of my business, and, and again, as we saw in Words to Avoid, when I'm, when I'm angry, that's a good time to filter. Now, I don't mean just sit and stew. I mean, let Jesus in and let Jesus process, why am I angry? Where is that coming from? What do I need to do with that? So I'm going to give you very quickly, these are blanks in your notes, three filters for your tongue, but not just for your tongue. Three filters also for your texting, for your social media, for your emails, for any of that electronic digital stuff that you're sending out. I want to give you three filters for the tongue and the text. Number one is the ashamed mama filter. The ashamed mama filter. I want you, when you're beginning to type a text or something of that nature, I want you to think, if my mama was reading this, would she be ashamed of this? Because chances are, if she would be, I shouldn't say it or send it. The ashamed mama filter. Don't text it, don't say it, just filter it. Remember, your mama has eyes in the back of her head, right? Let's think about this. If mom had eyes in the back of her head, what would we say about God? He sees everything. One, the ashamed mama filter. Number two, I need to filter using the face-to-face filter. This is how this filter works for me. I often, when I, when I get some digital something from somebody, I get an email or I hear something or, or somebody relays a message or somebody spreads some gossip or I get a text or an email that's, that's painful. I often think in my replies, don't say anything back that I wouldn't say face to face. I'm going to tell you straight up, in the end, a lot of this is about maturity In fact, wisdom is what leads to maturity, right? And so it's so, so easy to be immature and to just spout stuff right back. How often are we guilty of back on a text or social media or or, or something just, you know, we just boom, 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 boom. That often is not healthy. And I need to think, would I say that to a person if I were face to face? A lot of the junk we see often on social media, I think even some of the political stuff you see go back and forth, is not something we would say if we were really in listening mode, sitting face to face with someone we care about. So there's the ashamed mama filter, there's the face to face filter, and then I'm going to tell you, and this, again, I know this is redundant, but I'm just trying to make the point because it's a lesson I've had to learn over and over and over the anger filter. If anger is what's stirring inside of me, I probably do need to have a conversation, but I need to have it when I've had the chance to process and calm down. And so when I'm angry, don't spew off all kinds. Because at this point, if I'm angry and I spew off a bunch of stuff and hit send before I think about it, not only am I going to have all kinds of mistakes, right? because my thumbs don't get it very right, but also, I'm going to violate the ashamed mama filter, I'm going to violate the face-to-face filter, and I'm going to violate this anger filter. That, that My tongue needs me to stop. And my tongue needs me to process. And I need in those moments to say, God, help me get this under control. 
so that my words are the right kind of words. Maybe truthful words, maybe words that hurt but are truthful, but not destructive. So there's a difference between constructive words and productive words and destructive words. And sometimes when I'm holding my hand, I need to think first and speak later. Sometimes I need to listen and pay attention. Sometimes I need to clarify and ask good questions. But the bottom line is that I need to not just react. Because reacting all of the time, especially in anger, will not only get you in trouble, it's immature, it's not like Jesus, and it will cause more damage than you wish to cause. In fact, you will end up wishing you can put the toothpaste back in the tube, and you can't. So for this last section, I want to talk about how a grace-filled tongue makes a difference. We've talked about what a grace-filled tongue helps me avoid, how to filter, how to let grace, Jesus filter between our brain, our spirit, and our tongue. But I want to make sure we focus on what should come out of our mouths and how to use our tongues for grace and for good. And so I've got for you here four kinds of words. And again, not an exhaustive list. There are more kinds of things that could come up. But four kinds of words that are really good to come out of my mouth. Number one, encouraging words. You see this theme throughout the Bible. That we're here in community to make one another stronger. But that only happens when I'm in love mode, right? When we love one another. And in the community of faith and even outside the community of faith, I hope that Harvest Community Church would be known as an encouraging church. I don't mean that we don't talk about sin. I don't mean that. I don't mean that we don't confront sin. I, I definitely don't mean that. I do mean at the end of the day, I hope that both our neighbors and our friends and the people we contact with, the places we have partnerships with, like Monroe Middle School, that they would look at Harvest and they would say, you know, there's something to those people because they're always encouraging. There's something attractive and magnetic about that. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. It's telling me again, that, 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 that unwholesome, filter it. Encouraging, building up, benefiting the needs of someone else, let loose. Grace-filled words are encouraging words. Number two, kind words. Kind words. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I had a friend who lives out of state text me this week. He just said, Hey, I just want you to know I was praying for you and your headaches today. I was kind. It came out of nowhere. It was unexpected. It was on a day that I was struggling quite a bit with my headache. And there it was. And as this said, it cheered me up. Did my headache change? No, but the kind word changed me. Kind words are gracious words. 
And we need more of those to flow from our mouths. Number three, forgiving words, encouraging words, kind words, forgiving words. Proverbs 15, verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's easy to be harsh, to stir up anger. What's tougher are those gentle answers. And those gentle answers often include the need to forgive. Proverbs 19, 11, again, I would take this one from the old NIV It says a man's wisdom gives him patience, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. This applies to men and women. It is to their glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 15, gentle answer turns away wrath, harsh words stirs up anger. Proverbs 15, 4, just a few verses later. The soothing tongue is a tree of life. But a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. You know, a a gentle, forgiving tongue can be powerful. Grace-filled words are powerful. One of the verses we read earlier says, a grace-filled word can open the door to kings. This, by the way, applies on both sides of an offense when an offense has happened. Apologetic words are grace-filled. When I say, I apologize, when I say, I'm sorry, more than that, when I say, I was wrong. This is good. Likewise, when someone says those words to me, when I say, I forgive you. When I say, I choose to let it go. That can be powerful, not just for the ones who needs forgiveness, but for the person who's hanging on to pain and bitterness and hurt so i've got one more for you right forgiving words and encouraging words and kind words but number four gracious words are truthful words truthful we talked about lying a minute ago but listen to this proverbs twelve nineteen: truthful lips endure forever but a lying tongue lasts only a moment proverbs 12 22 the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Don't you delight in people who are trustworthy? The Lord does. At the end of the day, my tongue says a lot about what's going on in my soul, in my character. And it reveals whether or not God is at work inside of me truthful words can we be honest sometimes truthful words hurt and sometimes truthful words need to be spoken but not in a manner that is meant to be destructive I think so often when I'm angry particularly I need to find ways to be truthful, but not destructive. Does that make sense? And to do that, I need Jesus. At the end of the day, I need Jesus. Of course, the best kind of truthful words are the truth itself, the truth of the gospel. Proverbs 11, verse 30 
says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. The best truthful words are gospel words that tell the story that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. That the love of God was personal. I need to be reminded of that. You need to be reminded of that. And at the end of the day, I need Jesus to make my heart like his. I need Jesus to guard my lips. And I need Jesus to multiply grace in my words. And that makes this a good prayer. To ask Jesus to guide my heart, to guard my lips, and to multiply grace in my words. Jesus said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It's getting at the same thing that a heart influenced by Jesus can pray a prayer like Psalm 19. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart Be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Is Jesus your rock and your redeemer? I hope so. If he's not, he can be right now, today. Jesus can be your forgiver. Jesus can be the God of your life because he came. He lived a perfect life. He was crucified for our sins. He died. They buried him in a borrowed grave. He came back to life on the third day. He's alive today. He wants to live inside of you and me. He wants us to He wants to make us to transform our hearts so we're more like him. I always end our service with two prayers. And if you need Jesus today, maybe for the very first time, would you pray this prayer? of salvation with me, dear Jesus. I need your grace. I know I do things, I think things, I say things that are wrong. So please forgive me. Please take my life and take over my life. Work inside of me and change me from the inside out. Be my God, Jesus, and make me more like you. Not just in my words, but in my heart and soul. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If that's you and you prayed that prayer with me online, in person, either one, for the very first time, man, we'd love to celebrate that. We'd love to say, we're glad you're here and welcome to the family. And we'd love to help you grow in the faith in Jesus. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to talk about baptism. There's a whole lot of things we'd love to talk about, but we can't do that if we don't know you made the decision. So please, 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 would you reach out? You can reach out with a communication card or online, a digital communication card. You can find someone who goes to Harvest and tell them and have them tell our team. You, you frankly, can email me directly. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at HarvestChurchEugene.com. A lot of us prayed the prayer of salvation a few years back or a lot of years back. And yet, controlling our tongues is still a struggle in our character and a struggle in our maturity. We need the wisdom of Jesus. 
to bring grace to our words. Would you pray this prayer of application with me? In fact, maybe you'd pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. I'm putting me in this church today. Please guide my heart. Please guard my mouth. Please show me what to eliminate from my tongue. Please give me the strength to hold my tongue when I'd rather lash out. Jesus, fill me with words of grace. And help all of us here at Harvest to live your grace and to share your grace with our community. Fill us with you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad you're worshiping Jesus with us today. I love you guys. I can't wait to see you next week.